This is the Invincible Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Invincible Episode 5. That actually hurt. That's the last of it. Paid in full. I'm done. Mm, nah. Nah. See, Titan, your problem is you're too useful. You get shit done. You take bullets like a champ and don't even whine about it. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you let people live when they need to die. But man, you make an impact. If you didn't just finish paying off your debt, we'd be talking bonus time. I don't need your money anymore. Sure you do. Come on, like you're gonna go clean? Work the fry station at Burger Mart? That ship has sailed, amigo. This is your life now. This is what you do. No, it's not. You're a walking pile of rocks. You break heads. That's it. That's all. Own it already. See, I know you're going to keep working for me. The question is, how painful do you want it to be? What are you doing? <laughs> you think you can just punch your way out of this? I know where your family lives, and that means you work for me until I say you're done. Welcome back, Guardians, to the Invincible Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Invincible Episode 5. That actually hurts. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. I'm your other host, Chris. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to another episode of our discussions of Invincible. Five episodes into the eight-episode season now. Uh, so over the halfway point, uh, learning loads about these characters. Um, as as you know, if you've been listening to the Invincible podcast, Chris is the fan here. He's read every issue of the 144 comic books. I am definitely a fan of this TV show. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's getting good, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, lots, I was lots of listening, good going on. Yeah, I was listening to... So Kirkman, Robert Kirkman, the creator of the comic books, co-creator, along with the, the, the other, the artist and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the, he's been doing the rounds because yeah. he's also one of the kind of producers. Um, so he's been doing the rounds. He's been on Fat Man Beyond with Kevin Smith and Mark Bernard. And he's been on kind of funny with Greg Miller and things like that. And it'd be, it's interesting to hear him talk about this. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of people were like, cool, this is your second chance, right? And he goes, well, not really. I, I've taken what I've learned over these years and just been able to up level. So he's not, um, and this is a, a perfect example to bring this in for this episode because this episode is up leveling stories left, right, right. and center. Right. So we're getting these, what I, what I, I can see some people go, well, that's different from the comic books. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's, he's literally, he's learned all these techniques over the years. Mm hmm. And has been able to kind of essentially go, it's like, again, yeah, just second shot, but it's not even a second shot. It's like, I get to do the, the, the first shot again, but I can, I'm going to do the exact same thing, but just make it slightly better. Exactly. If that makes exactly. sense. Yes. Yeah. I like that. I like that. And as the, as always, when they change things for a TV show, the comic book's still there. 
Yep. The comic books are changed. You can still go back and read them as they are. So, uh, But I'm enjoying what's being delivered here. Uh, once again, to say hi to all of our guardians, thanks for joining us for this coverage. Uh, if you aren't subscribed to our main podcast feed on TV Podcast Industries, you can go over to the website at tvpodcastindustries.com, subscribe to us over there, and you'll get our additional coverage that we're doing at the moment of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which we're covering weekly, uh, currently on episode four of that show of, on Disney+. Plus. Uh, and we're also covering Pennyworth from uh, DC Comics. Uh, which is airing on Epics each week. The final episode of that show airs uh, on Sunday, uh, just after uh, Sunday the 11th of, of April. There you go. Uh, and the final episode of Season 2 airs this week. We're covering that as well. So this is our final weekend of three episodes a week. <laughs> uh, been a lot to do, but uh, really good shows to talk about, though. And I want to give a huge shout-out to the lovely people who've been buying me a coffee over on buymeacoffee.com <laughs> slash TVPI, which has been helping me uh, podcast and also edit the podcast every week so uh, thanks so much for that i can't believe it happened it's brilliant this uh-huh. is why i love the internet someone went you know what we need a site called buy me a coffee where you can buy someone a coffee and keep them caffeinated <laughs> and that's what you fantastic guardians have done thank you so much it, it is uh, hard to keep derek uh as caffeinated as we need him he mm-hmm. he, he may vibrate like a phone um <laughs> at sometimes but it's okay as that long as he doesn't too, go Chris. full flash and just kind of like <laughs> Vibrate between the atoms of the yes. chair and in yep. through the sea, the to the floor. That's Absolutely. a good idea. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm also thinking I might get to the point if I do drink all of the coffee, I might end off like uh, like uh, Fry in Futurama, um, where <laughs> every time. time just slows down, which would be <laughs> awesome. I'd have more time in my day. I could imagine how quickly I could edit a podcast if time just stopped. That would be amazing. But you know what also is amazing. The feedback we've been getting on the show, mm-hmm. guys, thank you so much for sending in your feedback, either over on our group on Facebook at facebook.com slash group slash TV podcast industries. And we've also gotten some email and voicemail feedback um, from over on our website at feedback at TV or just the voicemail to uh, there's a little app where you can leave your own 90 seconds idea um, mm-hmm. voicemail on tvpodcastindustries.com. But it's great to hear you and we want to hear more. What are you thinking? What have you thought of episode five? What do you think of episodes one to four? What do you think of episode six? Are you clairvoyant? Are you <laughs> cleaning the future? Do you, you have, have your own books? superpower? Yes. yes. Good one, Chris. <laughs> Excellent. Let's get into our discussion about episode five. Spoiler filled, as always. Uh, episode once again, uh, let's talk about the creators created by Robert Kirkman, Corey Walker, and Ryan Otley. Uh, this episode was written by Christine Lavaff. Leva- uh, Christine was a writing assistant on Falling Skies and the Excellent Fringe TV show as well. Uh, she also wrote episode uh, 18 of season four of Fringe called The Consultant, a really good episode. So glad she's working on this show. Uh, first animated show that she's worked on. I'm hoping we're going to see more of her on the on Invincible because she did a great job with this episode. Yes. And she's also going to be working in horror. She's written the horror sequel to Escape Room called Escape Room 2, uh, which is in post-production at the moment. So that'll hopefully be coming out at some point when post-production studios uh, finish up work. With that, Escape Room 2, would you not call it Escape Rooms? I am guessing that that's just an IMDb title. Okay. They probably have a subtitle to it, Escape Room, <laughs> even more escapey. Uh, last time, <laughs> Let's <maybe>. get escapier. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I'm not a writer, as you could probably tell. <laughs> Let's get escapey. 
book Christine Lavaff is, uh, as she did this episode. There you go. Uh, the episode was directed by Jay Baker. Uh, Jay Baker has worked in many, many animated projects over the years, uh, has got some directing credits to his to his belt, uh, but was heavily involved in massive animated shows, including Batman Brave of the Bold, Ultimate Spider-Man, Young Justice, and Justice League Action. So he knows how to do superhero uh, animated shows, right? Yeah, no, you can't look. Young Justice, that was still amazing. It is Great. still to this day amazing. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you picked that out instead of Ultimate Spider-Man, Chris. So I have a thing with Ultimate Spider-Man. It was just a bit too kiddie. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that I mind too kiddie. Uh, but then again, like with, Ju- like Justice League action was, I think we had, we had Justice League and then Justice Unlimited and then you had Justice League action, which was like, again, it was that kind of darker, darker and then start slightly kiddie. And that's fine. That's. Absolutely. The audience they're going for, but I would just like to say, give us more animated shows for adults like you have with Invincible. Exactly, exactly. Well, we can't have all of every show, so uh, I'm glad we have Invincible at least. (laughs) Chris, do you want to give us the synopsis for this episode of Invincible? Sure. Feeling confident in his new abilities, Mark risks a team up with a local villain to take down a crime lord while simultaneously juggling school and his new relationship. That's it. That's basically the episode. We don't yep. need to talk about anything more, Chris. No, that's it. Like, that's pretty much like <laughs> he's feeling so confident in his abilities. He kicks a rock through someone's house. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Or, yeah. Or an entire apartment block uh, is what it looks <laughs> so like. Good. A whole building where he has to hold <laughs> it up uh, after kicking the brick to it or kicking the, the rock through it. Exactly. Uh, let's, let's talk about our top points. We do have loads to talk about in this episode. Uh, let's just roll the majority of the episode into our first point, Chris. Uh, yeah. I call this Titan and Mark team up, but there's so much underneath all of that, isn't there? Uh, the story of Titan. Um, we we met Titan back uh, in the first episode when Mark was, uh, it, I think it was the first villain that Mark actually attacked when he was yeah. in his old outfit. So uh, we saw him uh, helping to rob a bank. Uh, in this episode, the kind of setup for it is Titan could almost be a hero here. He's He looks very Luke Cage-like. We're probably going to talk about that a lot <laughs> uh, throughout this episode, but the opening scene of Titan Titan arriving in his hoodie um, and going into a warehouse to battle bad guys absolutely felt like the Netflix series uh, Luke Cage uh, based on the Marvel character um, really felt like that to me. And then when he uh, takes off the hoodie and, and effectively covers himself in this bulletproof barrier uh, as he's fighting with the guys, I was 100% convinced this is the Luke Cage version of the character in, in Invincible. Uh, and even more interestingly, as you probably know, the character voiced by Mahersha Ali, who was so central to that first season of uh, of Luke Cage. He was one of the biggest characters that came out of the show. Um, so really good to have the casting in there and really good that they did the, the Luke Cage uh, story here where he could have been a hero. And that kind of kind of goes out throughout the episode. We kind of find, you know, that he could have been a hero, but he is indebted to uh, Machine Head, um, one of the kind of crime bosses of, of this city here. I, what do you think of this story, Chris? I loved it. Um, so I'll, I'll call it out now. Um, the, the basic beats for Titan mm-hmm. are from the comic book. I think it's kind of started similar quite early in the uh, first 10 issues. And then I think it's issue 18 and 19, predominantly 19, which is centrally around this whole thing, which is Titan versus Machine Head plus mm-hmm. Invincible. They have fleshed out this story so much mm-hmm. they've made titan a character that you you have empathy 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to parse my feelings about Titan. Right. You've essentially got the what you assume is this good guy has to do bad, but then does good, but is actually doing it for bad reasons, or so we think at the end, or we he, he did it. For, it's again confusing. So I just, what do you think as someone? I think new. they fleshed out the character, and you're absolutely right. Everybody has their own motivation, and I yes. think that's what's that. What is so good about this era of superhero shows and movies and and cartoons? Now, uh, effectively, we have a character here that you can understand him wanting to get out from under the cosh of this bad guy, Machine Head, who is forcing him to do everything uh, he wants him to do. He's paying off a debt. He's paid off the debt. We find when uh, he comes back to Machine Head after doing what's it four different. Uh, jobs for him he's he beats up a gang who are on uh, machine head's turf he burns down a house to get the insurance money um he hoists a guy from a building uh, yeah. to get a, a, get a debt paid for machine head and then he steals from a laboratory to get this uh, piece of tech that machine head wants to get so he can uh, predict the future or could predict possible outcomes that's the that's the piece of tech that he steals for uh, for machine head and he goes back to him saying to him um, now that has paid, I can go off and live my life effectively. Um, so you can understand the motivation of that. He now thinks he's out, but Machine Head is not willing to lose an asset like this. Yeah. So it feels like that's the point when he kind of changes his plan a bit. Um, he thought he could get out from under it just by paying off the debts to Machine Head. But it feels like at that point he's going, right, I need out of this and I need to kill Machine Head um, and take his take his place is kind of the way it looks like. So he's going to try and enlist the help of of uh, Invincible here, of Mark here in the episode. So to me, I think that that storyline of it is really good. I think he may have, if Machine Head hadn't pushed, I think he may have gone out and become a good guy mm. uh, for his daughter. Whereas by the end of the episode, you see that he's taken over um, the the whole uh, crime family, effectively, of yeah. Machine Head. So I think that was a choice later on. I'm not sure whether he would have done that if Machine Head hadn't pushed him as hard as he did. Could be, yeah. So I, so again, I'm kind of colored by the comic books and that mm-hmm. in comic books, he, he, it's similar beats. So just to give you a quick difference, so mm-hmm. I'm not going to spoil anything. You've already seen this part. So you're, when you read the comic books, you know what's coming, mm-hmm. but essentially there is no family. So this, right. the backstory of Titan has been fleshed out. Essentially, right. we just know Titan was a, a thug. Yeah. Did work for Machine Head, gets ide- ideas of grandeur, uh-huh. works with Isotope, and uh, Invincible takes down Machine Head, becomes the new crime, for the new kingpin. Right. And is the new kingpin going forward as a bad guy. Yeah. So I suppose I still see that, but I just see his his rationale to become the kingpin mm-hmm. is essentially he was always wanted to be the kingpin. He always wanted power. And now he's just doing it because he can't get out. But I, I don't know. So, yeah. In some ways, that version of it, the comic book version of it, almost underlines the fact that Omni-Man was right, saying that Mark was being used yeah. by a criminal to get this higher position. Whereas I think of the show, and maybe it's just my read on it, uh, I think of the show, it that, that seems to be a bit more of a gray area. It's a good guy who could have been good at one point, and then he uses Mark and then takes over um, the crime yeah. family, effectively. So maybe it's just added 
a little more grayness to the character, but may, but maybe it was always intended that he was going to take over the position and he was he was using Mark. Um, I just I just felt he, he maybe he just comes across as very sympathetic. Yeah, uh, up to that point when he puts on the suit and takes on the office of, of Machine Head. So. Would you say it's granite gray? It might be, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Wow, puns, yes. Um, I think it's actually just the, personally, I think it's the background. And I think, I again, we love this character. We we give him, we love this voice actor, I should say. Uh-huh. Marshali. Like, we've loved Absolutely. him since Luke Cage and all his other well-known Oscar-winning escapades. Absolutely. He's brilliant um, in Moonlight, uh, yeah. upcoming uh, as Marvel's new Blade in, in the Marvel uh, yep. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, interestingly, when we interviewed uh, Chio Dari Coker, who's the showrunner for Luke Cage, when we interviewed him back when he was doing Luke Cage, he said that Mahershala Ali is the only actor on that show that didn't audition for the role. He was told about how good he was in other projects um, and told he would be perfect for the role uh, of, of Cottonmouth in uh, in Luke Cage. Um, and as you can see, whoever told uh, Chio Coker that was absolutely right. This mm. guy has gone on to become such a big role. And I do wonder, I was kind of questioning this afterwards, because he only had the availability to do the role for six episodes in Luke Cage, he's now going back to Marvel and becoming a lead actor in, uh, in Blade, which was a project he proposed to Marvel. Yeah. I wonder if he's kind of gone... I'm Oscar winning. I've done all of this stuff, but all the money's in Marvel. I need to get a lead role in one of your projects, basically, because that's where it is. If you work with Marvel once, you usually only work with them once, and that's kind of it. So, yeah. whereas someone as big as Mahershala Ali can kind of call to get uh, get Blade as his show, I'm he's so going to be back. Like as Blade, he's like he's essentially in the New Avengers. He's mm. he's down as this reoccurring character, yeah. like as Valkyrie was in like the. T- the end game and mm-hmm. Infinity War and Ragnarok and all those like you once yeah. you're in Marvel you're in Marvel exactly interesting enough in this show he it was the casting agent who went to um essentially went to Rob Kirkman and went I know who I want to get for this uh-huh. and there was no other no one else it was yeah. just we're gonna get Mahershala Lee for this character Excellent. Uh, and they went straight to him and got him um and there seems to be a lot of um a lot of what happened on this show. And um, mm-hmm. they went, the casting director was well known, plus Robert Kirkman, plus a few Amazon Jeff Bezos money were yep. essentially able to go to <laughs> the likes of Mark Hamill and go, hey, we want you to play this character. You're in like two episodes. Yeah. Can you do this? By the way, here's a dump truck of money. Does that, does that sweeten the deal? Good. Let's do this. Um <laughs> And, but I don't, okay. I'm, I'm being facetious about the dump truck of money. I just oh. know that they, like, they did go to certain actors and we've seen the voice. We, in episode one, we went through who the potential voice cast is for mm-hmm. this season. And it's just, it's the who's who of both actors and voice actors and just nerds royalty. Exactly, exactly. But, but, but Hershey Ali is not unknown from, uh, no. from animation either because he did play Uncle Aaron in the absolutely brilliant uh, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Yes. So uh, a very big character. I don't, I don't know whether I want to spoil who Uncle Aaron is, but go see it if yeah. you haven't seen it. Uh, and if you don't know the story of Miles Morales, and uh, go see that as well. Really, really, really good. Uh, anyway, back to back to this yes, episode Titan. with uh, with Titan and Mark teaming up because the other side of it, I suppose, I think we kind of talked about Titan's story enough there. The other side of it is what's going on with Mark here. Uh, in the synopsis, you mentioned that he's feeling more confident in his abilities, but I like that he's still training. I like that yeah. he's like taking on individual supervillains, the kind of what you would expect to be the villain of the week. Uh, 
takes up about two and a half seconds of uh, of Elephant each fight uh, with Mark. You know, I love the uh, I love the fight with uh, with uh, one of the villains who's saying "I surrender" and then gets punched in the face. Uh, yeah. from Mark. <laughs> uh, really good. Uh, he's still getting training from his father. Uh, we have that moment with uh, with him and Omni Man in the sky as uh, as uh, Mark is holding up a criminal, trying to get some information out of him, and Omni Man says, "Drop him." Um, that's how you'll get the information out of him, and then takes him and drops him <laughs> to the ground. Effectively, kind of, kind of like that, that 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 bit that's in there between the two of them. Yeah, I, I loved, I loved the the dropping. Um, what I did enjoy as well was the asteroid. Mm-hmm. It's like he's straining his powers, like trying to stop this asteroid. He goes, "That's a little wood. The one I stopped was the size of Texas." And you're like, uh-huh. "What?" <laughs> and it's like that is the fun part. Or the the one I enjoyed was the Elephant Man. Which oh. is, oh, Elephant right. Man, he's around your power. Yeah, you, can you go take care of him? Oh, but Dad, I've got this. Go take care of him. Yeah. It's like, go do your chores. But it's also that Omni Man's saying to Mark, he's calling him on the phone going, I'm watching yep. Elephant Man rob a bank. He's about your power level and be good for your training. In other words, I'm not stopping him rob a bank. Uh, I'm only going to use it as training. We hear throughout this episode, Omni Man saying things are beneath Mark. He needs to be a world saver. He needs to be somebody that fights to save the millions, not the one, effectively. Mm-hmm. And just that, even those training scenes, you can see that coming out in Omni Man, which is another little shade on his character as well. It's very much, it's all about teaching Mark lessons. Mm-hmm. And we see that up even at the end of the battle or yes, what we we're do. perceived to see. So we see two flashes or two glimpses of what we assume to be Omni Man mm. watching the end of this episode, watching yep. Mark. Um, and. Again, it just seems to all come back. Like he told against Omni Man wishes, he worked with Titan mm-hmm. against, um, like even though he's been told it's all beneath him, like this is low level street stuff. He should yeah. be stopping asteroids, not stopping the Elephant Man. Absolutely, stopping alien invasions was yeah. the other example you gave him. You know, this is these are things that are world enders. That's what he should be saving his powers for, almost, and that kind of gives a little bit of color, a little bit of explanation as to why Omni Man didn't in, didn't join Guardians of the Globe himself. Uh, it feels like Guardians of the Globe he lets take care of those kind of situations, and he goes off and takes care of the entire globe all on his own, basically. <laughs> so, uh, so that that's kind of interesting in itself as well. But you're right; that moment when we see Omni Man in the sky, l- seeing Mark getting pummeled. Yeah. And he's there, and then Mark sees the flashes himself in the sky of his father there, never reaching out to help him once. Nope. It's a, it's a, it's a training scene. Mm-hmm. It's a training montage, if you want to call it that, across this whole episode, but with more background. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, let's and- get on to that part of the episode oh. when they do join up. Um, the fight between uh, Machine Head's crew that he's hired, because he, like Batman, his superpower is he has money. Um, effectively, uh, and the quantum computer chip in his brain, thanks yes, to Titan. Yes, uh, that's the one that that, uh, that I was mentioning that uh, that Titan stole yeah. for, uh, from the uh, lab- laboratory forum. Uh, I do like that scene actually as well. When we've got the security guards in the laboratory going, either we could tussle here, you could shoot me, or you could just shoot your guns in the sky and say, uh, "I got away with this." Right? Okay, let's <laughs> just do that, and they do. Which is, which is really good. I I enjoyed that, but I, I straight away again, this is the logic why. No, you should have fired straight, not up in the air, because what? You're going to say that you, he was above you? 
They like, shot mist, I guess, is the is the way. But like, you know. no, they shoot directly <laughs> up, <laughs> yeah. like up to the side. Anyway, <laughs> that's continuity for me. That's how I was like, well, no, they should have just fired straight and said, "We tried to shoot him. He was moving too fast." Not he was above he us. Hit when our we shot hands him. and we shot the sky. Yes. Maybe yeah, something yeah. like that. Something like that. But I do, I do like that. But anyway, yes, this battle here. Um, I really like this battle as well. As you mentioned, Chris, it's, it's the big battle at the, of, of the episode where we have, uh, Mark and Titan versus this team of villains, uh, that have been purchased by, uh, by the money of Machine Head. Um, what I also liked about it was how long it went on. Wow. Like I've seen so many animated shows, so many animated movies that have fight sequences between bad guys, good guys. And usually it's, you know, a couple of minutes in an episode. This felt like a real, a whole episode, like it was, about, it was about ten minutes or fifteen minutes of the episode, was this battle with all of its movements and ev- and all of the uh, the uh, at this stage five episodes in all the brutality we're come to expect from uh, from Invincible. Yeah, so this is what I have now come. I'm being spoiled by this show because this is a forty five minute animated show. Uh-huh. So if this was a half hour, yeah, you'd be right. This would be a seven to eight minute battle scene. Mm-hmm. But they're able in the show to go, do you know what? Let's give them 15. Like, let's take 15 minutes out of that 42 minute plus show minutes and just give them all pure battle. Yep. Let's add an additional three or four minutes in with some subtext. Uh, just, and then, yeah. So it's then essentially what you've got is like a 15 to 17 minute of out of 42. Yeah. Just pure battle scene. Like, it's crazy. It's yep. just. I, and again, we're spoiled in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel sorry for the animators because, like, <laughs> they're setting the president here. Not gonna lie. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Absolutely. but yeah, no, this for me was just brilliant. And it's again, seeing all those different, um, the different characters from the comic books mm-hmm. come to life, their powers come to life and seeing literally panels to pixels right. becoming a thing. Um, it's just amazing. Yeah, really, really good fights here. Um, and again, you know, given that we had episode one where we had the original Guardians of the Globe being killed, uh, by Omni-Man in a massively violent scene, uh, I, I feel the stakes are upped on this show. So when I saw moments in this fight sequence where Mark is pummeled into the ground, I am worried that Mark will actually be killed in the show. Even though it's called Invincible, <laughs> you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of wondering what happens. Is he dead here at the end? The, obviously, the post-credit scene confirms he's not dead, but uh, he is invincible. Um, but in the in this battle itself, where we have Monster Girl getting her head crushed between two bricks, I was wondering, is that her? Is yeah. that the end of that character? Um, we also had Rex Blood getting getting beaten. We also had uh, each of each of the characters of the Guardians of the Globe who come in to help Mark. Each of them have their moment where they get pummeled. Yeah. by these bad guys and you're wondering will they come back from this they do come back and they rally uh, a number of times but you're wondering who's dead here is anybody going to be uh, are any of these characters not going to survive into the next episode it's highly possible bulletproof doesn't like yes. bulletproof he's the old member he's lost his powers he uses the suit to get his additional powers um and at the end of this episode he gets rid of his suit because it's malfunctioning, mm-hmm. and essentially goes to fight Battle Beast. And yep. Battle Beast first breaks his arm in half, yep. then pummels him uh, like a few times, and then slaps him against a wall. Mm-hmm. The guy's pretty much human. He's a Tony Stark in a suit, but yep. like buffer. 
Um, so he may be gone. And I, I think even the fact that Rexbo called that out when he was having the argument with him earlier on, you're an old man, you don't have any superpowers at yeah. all, you know, and then, as you say, removes the suit and gets beaten up. Um, yeah, it's possible. We won't see Samson again. <laughs> so um, my thing uh, the, the, with this whole show is they're not afraid. It is Walking Dead. It is, they are not afraid to kill off main characters. Absolutely. Like, and that is well known from the comics, but again, also, as I talked about, up-leveling in this, and as I always say, they zig when they thought they'd zig. They may... (laughs) I know, come on, I'm punny now. It's becoming a trope of me saying these tropey things. Um... <laughs> it's kind of was the inception, inception, inception. Uh, yeah, uh, you're becoming what you hate, Chris. Yeah, That's exactly. <laughs> anyway, I I think they they could quite easily turn around and kill off a main character in this, mm-hmm. like just to keep everyone on their toes, to keep mm-hmm. new and previous readers and new viewers kind of on their toes. Yeah, I could see that. So when they were like when Monster Girl had her face off, mm-hmm. face off. <laughs> um, I did literally think, oh my god, they like, how they just Girl. killed her? They just yeah. killed Monster Girl. Like, what the? She has a long history in the comic books. So I'm like, mm-hmm. oh wow, it's so good to see that they're not afraid to do that. Can yeah. I just call out Battle Beast? Absolutely, yes, yes, recognize that voice instantly. Um, yes, come on. Worf is all about it. Uh-huh. It is Michael Dorn, who mm-hmm. is best known for his portrayal. He has done many things. He's even Shakespearean. But yeah. he's best known for his portrayal of Worf in Star Trek The Next Generation. Absolutely. Um, Delivering my, one of my favorite lines of all of Star Trek with, perhaps today is a good day to die. Um, and you can feel that that's a battle beast line. Yeah. He's perfectly cast in this in this role, I think, uh, in this voice role. Can I quickly call out something? And I, uh-huh. people, please listen to the the Robert Kirkman uh, kind of funny and uh, Fat Man Beyond. But he called out talking to Michael and was like, when Michael's like, okay, so what's my character? Like, what kind of voice? And Kirkman takes him through it, and he's like, yeah, so it's like gruff and like really, you like have this hunger for battle, mm-hmm. and you're really deep. And <laughs> and he basically Michael turned around and went, so you want Worf. You want more. Yeah, 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 that's what you think. Yeah, sure. Um, And that's what we get, and it works perfectly. Okay, maybe slightly more purry in the voice. But, but it that's works. but that's but that's a quality in Michael Doran's voice. I've always felt there's kind of a, a kind of a, a purr or a, a in in his voice Go when he's aggressive. Kind of, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So it works works so well for this. Uh, I also love that he pieces out at the end of it, where he's like, "This is not my battle," and walks and you through his teleportation. You're all beneath me. <laughs> exactly. You're uh, all beneath me because you're almost winning the fight. But I'm not going to say it like that. Uh, <laughs> off I go. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's good. It, Battle Beast is a great character. Mm-hmm. They're setting and introducing so many characters, so many um, villains, mm-hmm. uh, threads. Like, I am, I'm hoping we get a season two because the things that you people will see and yeah. the conversations we're going to have in another whatever, like years time. Let's hope year. Okay, mm-hmm. let's say that they're already started working on season two, like because animation takes forever, especially yeah. forty two minutes of episode Absolutely. animation. Um, listen, maybe in two years, the conversations we'll have about some of these characters are fantastic. Excellent. And anyway, <laughs> I want to just quickly move it on because you have it in your note here. Post credit. Yes. 
So they do. So let's quickly set the scene at the ending of this episode because we still have two other points. But the 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 ending of this scene or this episode is Mark is damaged. Mm-hmm. Like Mark is not invincible. Um. So I I thought this was very interesting. Mm-hmm. They they take his blood. Um. He is sent to a hospital. Yes. And they take his blood. The GDA takes his blood. Yes. Now, yes, they do. What do you, do you? This is your note. Yeah. So you take this. I was just really intrigued because it's, Don, it's Donald that takes his blood. I've, I've been questioning about Donald specifically over the last couple of episodes. So he's the other member of the the kind of leadership team yeah. of, uh, of. He's the Coulson to the Nick Fury of Cecil. Yeah, there you go. That's yeah. that's a, a reasonably good one, but a lot more nefarious in my mind to uh, to Coulson. Um, it looks like what they're trying to find throughout these episodes is some way of taking down Omni Man if they need to. Uh, it's that idea, like as you in your example, it's the Nick Fury idea of what if the Avengers turn on us? We have no way to protect ourselves. So it seems like Donald is trying to find a way to take down Omni Man and Invincible. So he takes a blood sample to be tested and see if it can be destroyed. Um, and it seems like no matter what the scientists do in the post credit scene, we find no matter what the scientists do, the blood still is uh, is not susceptible to the to whatever they're using. So it seems like Invincible did choose the right name. He is still invincible. He is still uh, not killable at the moment. But uh, the kind of cliffhanger we're left with for that story is Donald saying, "I know the key is in the blood somehow." Um, yes. So, so they, so I like that they're they're working with both Omni Man and Invincible, giving them their mission, sending them off to do things, helping them when they get into trouble like this. They're going to hopefully be able to cure Mark in the next episode. But behind all that, they're also trying to find a way in case they turn on them. How do they stop them? So. Yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's fun. It, it's yeah. the, the the setting. You're starting to see threads here. Yeah, that they like we haven't touched Omni Man's um, transgression from episode one in most of this episode. Mm. Um, in terms of the deception elements, yeah. but it's interesting to see. Absolutely, um, that's point number three, Chris. <laughs> it is. I said we haven't touched it yet. I didn't add it yet, but we haven't. Yeah. Um, so it's it is it's good to see that like okay the deception is still it's that ongoing it's that do you remember the procedurals we used to have like castle and things like that where mm-hmm. there was like each within the twenty four episodes or flash let's take it more comic booky let's say the flash which has like mm. twenty four episodes on the CW I know. they start it uh, they start the the thread and they they just. They tease it all the way to episode mm-hmm. 24, and that's when you get the resolution. We're getting elements of that, which yeah. I'm just hoping that they speed up slightly. Because I think they're giving you guys enough, yeah. but I don't know. It, it, are you getting enough? I, guess I, I, want, I have to ask on that one. Yeah. I'm in my head. I'm going. This is an eight episode series, uh, which is great. So, uh, unlike with the Flash, and you're absolutely right. By season three, they'd perfected the art of starting a piece of dialogue in the first episode and stretching that piece of dialogue to last twenty five episodes because nothing <laughs> else was going on. Um, what do so, <laughs> so I got sick of the Flash for that a very reason that you're describing. Yeah. What I feel like in this show is they've got eight episodes this season. They'll tell an overarching storyline that will uh, that will be confined to this season yeah. and then we will have the other storylines the threads as you say that they're setting up will be able to be taken care of in season two and season three i think the pacing 
in this show, considering an hour-long animated yeah. show is not something I generally watch. I think the pacing is really good uh, in, in what they're doing in the show. And as you say, introducing characters like, for example... Would I have expected Titan from episode one, who was stopped in the first robbery by uh, by Mark, to be central to an episode four episodes down the line? Absolutely not. So I'm expecting big things over time from Battle Beast introduced in this episode, or maybe more of Machine Head in the future, or, or maybe Tassel. some of Isotope, you know. Tassel, who is the man who was one of the working with Battle Beast, who literally has a, a thing on his chest that has uh-huh. pink tassels coming out of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I, with 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 that as well, with adding in so many of these characters here, there's absolutely ones that I'm not going to get the names of, though. That's the only yeah. challenge that I have. They don't. This they show. don't name them. They don't yeah. name them. So but, no one is going to know these really cool. Characters. <laughs> But that, but you're right. That does mean that they can introduce them again later yeah. down the line. But one thing that I do find with animated shows that's different from uh, from live action shows. With live action shows, if you see a person on screen, you can go and check IMDb. With animated shows, you have no idea if they're not voiced. If they're not yeah, voiced. You literally, you, you Google is your best friend because you're going Invincible TV show episode five guy with pink pink things Tentacles coming out of his chest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yes, uh, overall, yeah, I think I think the pacing of it is, is working really well for me. And I think some of those threads will be picked up uh, as we go into a season two. One other thing we just didn't mention in this section was just about um, about Mark's other side of his life. We even mentioned it in our title of it, the Mark superhero life balance uh, that's going on. I just like how they're dealing with it. It's something that's it's it's almost become a trope because it is the central part of why Peter Parker's Spider-Man is such a big character and such a popular character is how he manages his uh, school life and his social life versus his superhero life and in here we see mark is not managing this very well at um, all i think I, I wrote down in my in my notes uh he's late for school he's late for uh work he's late for dates he's late for dinner with uh, his girlfriend's mom which is a different thing from a date if you if you are dating uh you do know this uh you're okay to be a little bit late for your girlfriend never be late for her mom no. uh, really important uh, but he's not managing any of his time at all and also getting pushed by his dad to prioritize superhero life over everything else. He's, you even have a moment with uh, the, the principal who's saying to him, you're, be- you're being late all the time. You can't be this way if you want to go to college. And Mark's saying to him, what if I don't go to college? You know, that's yeah. a big change in the character of Mark. He was very focused on his schoolwork at the beginning of the season. And now his father's telling him, push everything aside and focus on superheroing, and everything's falling apart. Uh, five episodes in, or a, co- a couple of months now, I think, since the first episode has taken place. Yeah. So I just thought it was good to highlight that, because this is something that has always troubled Peter Parker in Marvel specifically. It's That's kind of part of his character, I think, yeah. uh, more so than most characters. But I think that's uh, seeing it in Invincible is, is really interesting. Yeah, and it's, it's always that bit that we get, which is the, hey, like, you need to find the balance mm-hmm. it's all about finding that balance and it, it's like we see it with like you said peter parker is the best example he finds the balance between work school college etc yeah. and superhero but I, lifestyle but i love that his mentor is telling him you don't need to find a balance there's no balance here you're a superhero first you yes. deal with that first <laughs> which is, so which that is, is the interesting learning that is mm-hmm. it's going to be I'm, I'm i'm intrigued to see how that plays out absolutely absolutely um, Two more points to discuss uh, about this episode, I think. Uh, yes. Let's go on to uh, the second point. These are, these are smaller points. The the, uh, the big point really is t- the team up between uh, Titan and Mark. But yeah. the second point is just wrapping up a storyline or continuing a storyline that we've seen over the course of the last couple of episodes. Robot, the slightly um, 
deceptive leader of the uh, Guardians of the Globe. We don't really know his yep. intentions as of yet, but I'm really glad to see that uh, part of a theory I had about about him did pay off a little bit in this episode. We have him visiting the Mauler twins. We've seen him watching them. We've seen him releasing the Mauler twins, mm-hmm. and now he visits them when the second, when the new clone, uh, the new Mauler twin, is created. He arrives immediately after uh, the after the twin returns and tells them that he needs them to do a bit of work. He needs their their expertise in tissue growth and DNA replication uh, using the sample that he took from Rexplode. Uh, yep. in the previous episodes that was a theory that i had that that's what he was doing and i didn't want you to spoil it for me in case it is directly from the comic books so uh, i'm glad to see it on screen here so. yes yeah and look it, it, this this is a great representation of what we had hoped ha- would happen is what mm. you thought would happen and it is um i the the bit i enjoyed the most was the just essentially seeing the the second Mauler twin being coming alive, uh-huh. um, and going him automatically. The whole thing about the Mauler twins is they didn't know who who's the clone and who's not. Yeah. So the, each of them think they are the original, mm-hmm. and that's what keeps them in check. Yeah. Um, but here we see that straight away, like literally, they they pull that thread funnily straight away because like. Why you, you're the clone. No, don't even start this. No, 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 no you're the clone. Yeah. And it's that fun, like, part. Absolutely. The fact that we see the creation and the new clone is the one that says welcome to the world to yes. the one that was there beforehand is really good. I was listening to another podcast about, uh, about Invincible in episode one and, um, having seen the three episodes and, and podcasting about all three of them the way we did, uh, I was laughing at their, their first thing that they said about the Mauler twins was, They've made this. They've changed it up in uh, in the TV show. They've taken out the eye of one of the Mauler twins. So now you're always going to be able to tell the two of them apart. Well, that didn't last very long. <laughs> the they killed off the one that had the eye gouge. So so effectively, they could have kept him around. So you would always know which twin is which, and they didn't. They uh, both of them look exactly the same. And I like that Robot calls it out as well. Robot when he sees them exchanging minds, the uh, the original and the new clone exchange minds. He goes, why do you do this to yourself? So effectively what's happening is they're not, he's not just giving him the experiences. He's giving, he's giving him every single memory he has, yeah. including the memory of him starting the replication process. So, so neither of them will know ever who is the actual clone. Yeah. Both of them will al- always be convinced they are the original, uh, yeah. which I really like. I think that's yeah, really cool. It's a fun one. Um, and it's the, as you said, it's a sample from Rex Blows. So they, interestingly enough, robot lands on the, I forget what they call it, but it's essentially the tissue regeneration chamber. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's the, the tissue sample is explodes. So what does that mean? Do you know what I'd love? Yes. What would I you know love? they're not going to do this. It's, just, it's not really a theory as such, but do you know what I'd love? If the reason why Robot is doing this is so he can replicate Rexplode without the attitude and without the a-hole nature of Rexplode. <laughs> and he just goes, right, I'm just going to create the exact person with his powers and just cha- tweak his personality so he's a little bit more pliable and actually works with other people, doesn't cheat on his girlfriend, doesn't sleep around, doesn't drink all the time. <laughs> and that's what he's doing this for. If it was something as uh, as good as that. I don't think it is. I think there's something a little bit more nefarious or something that we haven't learned about yet, uh, that we'll see as the, as the show goes on. But I'd love it was just simply, ugh, I can't stand actual Rexplode. I'm just going to change his personality. That would be. Replicate him, kill the original Rexplode. Yeah, no, that would be, that would be very cool. <laughs> there you go. I know Chris is not giving anything away. Uh, I'm being uh, good here. Yeah. Not anyway, supposed to. Uh, no, I'm not giving anything away. 
But moving on to not giving anything away, mm-hmm. Debbie, our final point, Debbie investigates Damien Darkblood's notebook. So you, in our previous uh, episode, essentially we, we discuss what was in that cupboard um, that Darkblood was in. Mm-hmm. And it turns out it was his demonic Necronomicon looking uh, notebook. Oh man, I am such a big fan of the Evil Dead. And when I saw the cover of the notepad exactly replicating the yeah. Evil Dead's Necronomicon, I was just, it just instantly, I, I was taken back going, how have they put this in here? Has he actually given it to the Necronomicon? And then she opens it up like a notepad and sees the notes of the detectives. <laughs> and that's hilarious. That's really funny. I love the idea that it could actually be made from the stretched skin of, of, uh, of evildoers effectively. And that's what he's using as his notebook to take notes for his detective, uh, detecting. Uh, I thought that was very funny. Um, but yeah, I love that, uh, that being on screen. So a nice callback to Evil Dead. Go see that movie and Ash versus Evil Dead, the TV show. Both awesome. Yes, and Army of Darkness. And Army of Darkness. Still- oh, of course, sorry. Evil Dead 1, 2, 3, and Ash versus Evil Dead. Yes, Go see all of them. The yes. whole, everything that Bruce Campbell's involved in, all awesome. <laughs> I love Bruce Campbell. Oh my God, he, if, if he makes a, an appearance here now, I'm, I'm just going to be so happy. Well, we should be getting him in uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, uh, directed by Sam Raimi. So uh, we should be getting him back, back in there. Uh, but let's talk about the show. Uh, Debbie uh, actually continuing her investigation into Omni-Man. We see in Damien Darkblood's notepad, he has uh, circled a couple of things that point out that, uh, that Omni-Man is the one that murdered uh, the Guardians. He was on the trail of, uh, of Omni-Man. As yeah. we know, he, he pretty much put the jigsaw puzzle together before being sent back to hell. Uh, but now Debbie seems pretty convinced that it's going to happen because she is, uh, she goes out to find the suit that uh, Omni-Man wanted back after he was, uh, he was put in, in hospital to heal his wounds after the, uh, the end of the Guardians of the globe. So uh, she gets his suit. She finds his suit just before he arrives back. So I like this dynamic here yeah. with, with Debbie trying to play you know uh, also a mentor to uh to mark in his training trying to play at being the same wife that found um omni-man just after he arrived at the planet effectively and as she says herself i trained you to be a superhero i can also train my son to be a superhero yeah even though i'm not a superhero myself um but i like how she's playing i really liking sandra owen this in this yeah. part but uh the investigation yeah i'm, I'm really concerned for her i don't think <laughs> Even though it's his wife, I'm not sure whether Omni Man will hold back if she does discover the truth. No, and I'm interested what what the suit will tell, mm. because we saw him in the suit at the end. So I don't know what the suit says. So that's think, the interesting part for me. I think the reference was that um, it's covered in the blood of the Guardians of the Globe. I think that's what's written in, in uh, Dark Blood's notebook. Oh. So it's the suit is ripped, it's torn, it's it's not the suit he's wearing when he's going out of missions now. It's yeah. just the suit from then, and I think it's covered in the blood of the Guardians of the Globe, proving that he was at least very close to all of them sh- shedding blood everywhere. But yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, but I think it's uh, I think for Debbie, it's it's proof that he was uh, absolutely involved in that fight with the Guardians of the Globe. Yeah, I I did like her her math. So she basically, when she calls him, and that was the bit, she was like, seven minutes to go to, uh, to France, uh, or Italy Mm -hmm. to get the, the food and then the other one in to get the wine and then back. And she gives a timer for 20 minutes. So good. It was just like, that's, that is some 
Sandra O oh level, Killing Eve level stuff. Yeah. Um, it was great. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. I, I like I it. And, and you wonder, because he goes out in patrol all the time. He goes out and does missions. But that's the thing with Omni-Man. She has to make sure that she gives that timeline and calculates how long exactly he'll be away. Because he's so fast, he could appear at the door any second after leaving. You know, he yeah. could leave going out to do a big battle. He could be back in two hours. He could be back in five minutes. But if she gives him this task to celebrate the world, she knows exactly what time he's away. Very smart thinking, Debbie. Yes. I like it. I yeah. like it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just blown away by the, the 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 characterization of Sandra, of Debbie by Sandra O oh and mm-hmm. J.K. Simmons. Like yeah. It's just they're bringing these characters to life. They're bringing these characters to life in a way that I didn't actually think or like i I didn't it's just it it really does show the 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 chops that a really strong voice actor or actor sorry Mm -hmm. just voice actors are actors so it just shows the chops and the 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 the, the empathy and the the determination that just a, a voice can bring an actor can just by lending their voice can bring to the animation style and to the overall show yeah, absolutely. Totally agree with you. Having, having lent my voice to a few, uh, projects over the years, um, as, as a voice actor, I'm not an actor. I'm also not a voice actor. I may have a voice for radio or a voice for podcasting, uh, but I certainly am not an actor. So, uh, I, I'm always, uh, impressed when there's a good voice actor in a role. And I think they've chosen yeah. some great people for the show, uh, particularly the central family because they are so involved in the story with, uh, with this, kind of battle for Mark's soul almost that's going on between yeah. Nolan and Debbie as parents of Mark and Omni-Man trying to force Mark to become the same kind of person that he is almost. Yeah. Uh, and Debbie seeing what that actually does to him uh, and seeing maybe I need to steer him in a different direction. And that's a really good, uh, really good uh, central battle in, in this outside of the punchy punch. Uh, <laughs> outside of the punchy punchy, the hardy hardy. Chris, any any notes on the episode that we have after we've talked our three major points? So, uh, three very quick ones for me. One which uh, I, I'm going to call out straight away that uh, it's from uh, the X-Ray, which is fantastic trivia that you can get on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, the it's the ad on for Burger Mart when Titan comes home. Okay, with his daughter. The tagline, the, the slogan for Burger Mart is start your day with a hot BM. Mm. <laughs> um, and they literally call it out. Yeah, we're kids. We know it. It was funny. I love like, it. They're just like change one of the letters. And the M does look like an, another letter in right. the alphabet, uh, which you can assume <laughs> where I'm going with this. And I was like, well done. Okay. You called it out. I enjoyed that. It's a funny Easter egg or trivia. It's just fun. Um, the big one uh, I want to call out is Isotope. Mm. Uh, the uh, teleporting uh, henchman of um, of Machine Head and now Titan mm. is different, looks different than in the comic books. Um, so, in the com- the the character of Isotope in the comic books is based on the owner of Isotope Comics from San Francisco. Very good. Um, looks Very exactly good. like him with the hair yeah. and the suit, and it was it, it, the even the character the 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 actual guy it's based on. Calls it out. He loves mm-hmm. it. He introduced, he's one of the guys who introduced me to, like, uh, Invincible. Right. Um, so for me, it was like, oh, can we see it? He does look different. My assumption is this is a, like, very much a legal thing. Like, Science Dog, it was probably more that this, this human was like, no, like, we, we have to pay for his likeness if yeah. we get him yeah. and make him look like this. 
But it's also it's a lovely tribute to do in a, in a comic book that you're releasing monthly. Uh, committing that character to a TV show, you're right. There's, there is probably a rights issue. Uh, yeah. I'm sure he'd be really happy to do it, but oh, he probably yeah. would ask for uh, some payment for his likeness. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, uh, so they probably which, change it just they change it just enough that it's different. exactly. Yeah. And Kirkman's probably going, yeah, maybe we don't want to uh, lose your likeness to uh, to uh, Amazon. Amazon just in case. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, just calling that out. Very cool. So, so again, if you want to buy comic books and you're in San Francisco, is it? Yes, Isotope yeah, Comics. Get down to Isotope Comics. Okay. It is fantastic. He <laughs> has the original, uh, there is the original, uh, the Doctor Strange 90s film, TV show, film pilot. Um, he has the original costume for Doctor Strange from that. 1970s, Chris. My Sorry, God, 70s. your perception of time sometimes. What was the 90s? So 90s was the Fantastic Four. Oh, yes. That was yes. it. Okay. Hey, look. Roger I, I knew that. Yes. But anyway, the 70s Doctor Strange outfit, he has the actual costume or outfit from that in the shop up on a dummy. It is amazing looking. Awesome. Don't tell John or else that will have to be his 50th birthday present, Chris. Yes, there you go. I went look, it's a few years away. I have years to save for that one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> He's not listening. It's fine. Uh, and then we have one final note. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is one that I, I, I should give to you um, because I think you called it. You knew it as well. Absolutely. Yes, the school uh, in in the show is named uh, after Reginald Vell Johnson, uh, the actor who plays Principal Winslow in this uh, in the TV show. Uh, you will recognize the voice, hopefully, uh, of Reginald Vell Johnson. I certainly did, because it's from one of my favorite movies. Uh, he plays the sidekick to John McClane in Die Hard 1 and 2. So yeah. uh, very well-known actor. Uh, he also was on TV show Family Matters, which is a very big uh, TV show in America. I don't actually yeah. think it ever made it over to the UK, but we kind of know Urkel a little bit from popular culture, which, who, which is the character. <laughs> exactly. That's the character that we would know over in Europe. But uh, Family Matters, I don't think, made it very uh, very no. far in, in Europe at all. But uh, but very well-known, Reginald Vell Johnson, as uh, as an actor uh, from his role in, uh, in Die Hard 1 and 2. So, yes, and yeah, so nice they reference. use his likeness and everything. So, yeah, looks really like uh, him. Like looks Kirkland. like him, voiced by him, and the school is named after him. Absolutely. So, great. Uh, I have to say, we're going to call it out. I'm sure it's going to be mentioned in the feedback as well, but the the choice for Machine Head's voice of having it pitched up and down like a singer on X Factor mm. made me laugh oh, every time he talked. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. What a brilliant choice uh, for the show, especially because when you're reading comic books, you have no idea what a character yeah. sounds like. Uh, but the, the the choice here of having him uh, being pitched uh, up and down constantly was brilliant. I, I This was also a second close contact for Bruce Campbell because uh, it was voiced by uh, Jeffrey Donovan, who was in Burn Notice with... Bruce Campbell. Very good. There you go. See, it's six degrees of Bruce Campbell. I love there it. There we are. I love it. <laughs> I think he does have my favorite line of the episode as well, Machine Head, where he, uh, where he tells, uh, Titan he's going to grind him up and use his, uh, <laughs> and use him to, uh, gravel his, his driveway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really uh, good stuff. Good. On Excellent. that note, mm-hmm. we have come to the end of our review. So very quickly, I must ask, Derek, do you defend this episode of Invincible? Episode I love five. this episode of Invincible. Like, as I said, you know, the idea of having a, a version of Luke Cage, uh, in this, in this animated show is really good with, with Titan. Uh, I love Machine Head, love, love that idea of him. And, and the idea 
of what's going on in the family, I think, works really well in here. Uh, Bringing in the concept of Mark not being able to keep time for anything uh, as he's learning his superpowers, uh, as I mentioned, like uh, like Peter Parker from Spider-Man. So many great touch points all coalescing together in here, along with probably the biggest fight we've seen in the show so far um the show already mm. known as as having big brutal fight scenes but a big brutal fight scene with everybody that we know on the uh, guard of the globe side including mark uh plus titan versus a whole new set of characters was really good in this episode so yes this is a uh, once again i think it's as it's it's elevated again over the last, the previous few episodes. This is probably my favorite so far. Apart from the shock in episode one, I think episode yeah. five is my favorite episode uh, so far that we've seen. Chris, how about yourself? Do you defend this episode? Hundred percent. Mm-hmm. I like outside of loving this show and loving the comic book, the source material. This for me was what I was waiting for. I talked about this up leveling, this deeper kind of. It's this one point five version of Invincible. I'm getting. The story I love, but I'm getting more of it in new, unique takes. Mm-hmm. Well, not new, unique takes. It's just an extended take. It's deeper. It's, uh, like you said. So, as a character, Titan in the comic books was just a character. Like, you did not get this extension, uh, like this, he- like this new story, this whole new storyline to the point where, as you said, like, there's an empathy there. Like, you're thinking that maybe he was this Luke Cage. He's this good guy. He's this, he's ends up in this episode being the kingpin. Maybe he's doing it for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of, it's just this, I, I'm, I'm just so happy with the show. I'm so happy with this episode. This is for me. Yeah. I said, similar to you, this is for me one of the best episodes this season. We're halfway through. Mm-hmm. It is going to only get better, most likely. Um, and it's just, yeah. So I'd completely defend this. Excellent, excellent. And we went through the whole episode and didn't mention the other uh, funniest moment of uh, of the episode, Chris, uh, where Mark does take down Elephant Man and is flying by in the background when Titan's talking to his daughter, holding onto the trunk of, yeah. <laughs> of Elephant Man as he drags him through the streets. Uh, yep. There you go. We've also been really, really lucky to get some feedback in from our wonderful Guardians this week uh, on episode four and episode five. Um we're going to give our voices a rest and start off with our first voicemail for the episode from Steve Brown. Hey guys, it's Steve and this is for Invincible episode four, uh, the, the one with uh, Neil Armstrong in the title. And, um, but I'm listening to your previous, your podcast of the previous episodes and thank you for explaining the garbage bag. I totally had forgotten about him throwing the garbage bag up in the air. And so when that scene happened at Buckingham Palace, I was like, what? What did something happen off screen that we didn't see? And I was so confused. So I'm really glad that you guys uh, explained that. So we're starting to see more and more of that. There's some menace to Omni Man. I think if that's the right word, and he's kind of a jerk sometimes, and he has a temper. But then at the same time, he has this very sweet moment with his wife. Um. So I'm I'm still unclear on his character. And, um, and it just, it just, it it confused me a little bit because I don't know if he, I'm still puzzled over whether he intentionally killed the the guardians of the globe, uh, and then why. And I guess that's going to be explained as we go. Obviously it's, it's probably a a comic book plot as well, but, um, and then, uh, Mark fighting the Martians was great. He didn't, uh, use his rage power, which I thought was interesting because that might have been able to uh, turn the tide there, but he probably also doesn't want to start an interplanetary uh, war, but we may have 
with the the sequids. So, okay, um, yeah, uh, can't wait to hear you guys talk about this one and explain it and help me out. Uh, talk to you later. Thank you so much, Steve. Uh, uh, yeah, that's what we're here for. <laughs> we connect those dots. We uh-huh. we Sometimes. we connect the garbage bags. <laughs> we bring that garbage direct to your ear holes. No. Um, Do you think no, we should put that in our new tagline, Chris? TV podcast industries uh, connecting the garbage bags. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> connecting the garbage. So so good. We bring the garbage to you. There you go. Um, no, I, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying it. And yet that menace is fantastic. And this is what I love to see. I'm seeing so many people who haven't read the comic books experiencing this these characters and this storyline for the first time via this show. Mm-hmm. And it's great to see people puzzle and confused. I know it sounds terrible. It sounds very kind of evil. And I'm, I'm happy that you're confused. But welcome to my world years ago when I was reading the comic book. <laughs> when Chris is saying he's seeing people uh, looking confused after watching it, he's literally talking about our Zoom call right now where he's looking at my face going, yeah. hmm. Puzzling, wondering about that. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, Steve did call out there is the rage power of Mark. We got to see that in episode five quite specifically when he loses it uh, after getting pummeled uh, by uh, Battle Beast and, and the, the group. Um, it does seem like he escalates his powers quite significantly when he uh, when he amps himself up, um, something that we've seen in a few of the episodes in the past. But uh, I do wonder if that's part of Omni-Man's push to get him to uh, to lose it more often and, and increase his powers. Is he holding back quite considerably when he's not losing the ra- when he's not using the rage? Uh, so maybe that's something we'll see a bit more of as the episodes go on. It's this extra power that he gets from the rage. Yes. Well, we've seen it twice now, so mm-hmm. let's, let's hope for a third, fourth, and fifth. Let's hope Mark can keep it uh, in check, because otherwise uh, that could cause some serious damage as well. <laughs> Thank you so much, Steve, for mm-hmm. that voicemail. We also got some feedback from Facebook over on facebook.com slash group slash TV podcast entries for this episode. First up was Donald Dennis, who said, they keep zigging when I think they're going to zag. Nah, not really. I like this episode, but I'm kind of surprised that building is still standing. Uh-huh. I bet that the thing triggering Invincible's Berserker is also somehow related to his dad's murder spree. Mm. Also, do you think Robot is a robot? Or is it a cyborg or even mech suit or something really small? Thank you so much for that feedback, Donald. Uh, yeah, look, hey, I am happy that I am coin. I didn't coin. I didn't coin Ziggy for Zaggy, but I've been using it so much that the fellow guardians are you know, using it when they talk in our feedback. I'm so happy about that. The trope has cut gone meta level here now. I think sick burn is the uh, is the phrase that people use for that. <laughs> well done, Donald. <laughs> and I know Chris can't answer your question on robot. Um, I I was wondering is he possibly using the uh, the Marauder twins um, and their abilities to maybe turn him into a human or something like that? Because of the conversation he had earlier on in the season, where some where uh, I think it was Eve said to him. Um, that he's only uh, he's only a robot, not human. He doesn't have the same kind of issues that they have. So is he trying to become a real boy, um, potentially, or is there something else? Yeah, it's a character we don't know much about, other than uh, other than the uh, slightly duplicitous thing that's going on with him releasing some villains and uh, and trying to work with them. So, uh, so I, I can only say we'll probably get that answered uh, in the future. Yes. But I like that trigger idea of uh, of did. Uh, 
Omni-Man go crazy, this berserker mode, is that what happened? He killed uh, the Guardians of the Globe, and that's potentially the same power that Mark has as well. That's kind of an interesting theory. Mm, no, it is. We also got some feedback from Dr. Bob Phillips, who said, So much fun! Really enjoyed the entry of street-level global superheroes mm. and the post-match video review of how the match could have been played better. Mm-hmm. The voicing of Machine Head sounded quite a lot like he'd borrow Cher's mixing desk. It was great, too. <laughs> I'd previously missed that the character's name was Duplicate. Ugh. Should really have left the subtitles on. <laughs> And that ending, are we really getting Luke Cage Season 3 by animated stealth? That's exactly what I'm thinking, Dr. Bob. Yeah, there you go. If we're not going to get a live-action version of Mike Coulter in control of uh, of the crime families of Harlem uh, in his version of Luke Cage, hey, we might as well get Mahershala Ali as his crime boss on the streets of this city uh, in charge of uh, the crime bosses there. Uh, yeah, totally get that the joke sometimes doesn't work Um for a character named like it, like a joke, like duplicate and her name is Kate. Um, yeah, it doesn't always work on the screen when characters are calling the name out, out loud. But when you see the subtitles and you see that the character named Kate duplicates herself, uh, yeah, that's exactly what a teenager who gets superpowers would call themselves, isn't it? Generally, you know, someone like, uh, Mark calls himself invincible after getting punched once and not dying. Um, <laughs> and Kate goes for the pun and calls herself duplicate like that. Yeah. Or Atomic Eve. <laughs> exactly, yes, yes. Atomic Eve, yes. Yes. Um, uh, thank you so much for the feedback, Bob. And all I have to say is, do you believe in live after live? I am not fixing that. <laughs> yes, you have to live with I am just sang just share hitting on the my podcast. throat sharing <laughs> the share love. I was just going to go simply for, uh, do you think Machine Head believes in love after love? But I, uh, I will uh, I will leave you uh, so with to better. stew should in what you've done. <laughs> Uh, we also got some feedback in over by email from Jerry, uh, who emailed us about episodes four and five and says, Hey guys, these two episodes are great. I love the source material and the details they put in the show from the source material is fantastic. With that said, I'm waiting for Robert Kirkman to throw in that major change from the source material, like the introduction of Daryl on The Walking Dead or the death of Carl. Uh, these two episodes have lots of hanging threads all over the place. I love how the show makes the point that physical violence has consequences for everyone. Plenty of blood. I applaud Amazon for letting them do what they want on this show. Jerry in Niceville. Uh, totally agree with you, Jerry. Yep, it's, it's really interesting seeing what Amazon is allowing them get away with. Almost, as I mentioned last episode, the idea that Robert Kirkman went to them with this gory version of the show, expecting them to cut things out. And they were like, okay, give us the next episode. That looks great. <laughs> you know, you just don't know what it's going to be like in this world of streaming. You know, things are, things are either for every age group like Netflix tends to do where everybody over the age of 14 can watch any of their shows or you get something like Amazon that does well we're going to do the boys and we're going to do <laughs> we're going to do uh, this ultra extremely violent uh, animated show in invincible for uh, only people over the age of 16 17 you know um so i i do love that uh, that you don't really know what you're going to get uh, from amazon right now they're still kind of finding their feet as to how far they're going to be able to push it so uh, uh, really good points there jerry yeah, thank you so much, Jerry. I, I Amazon for me is becoming this original 
spot that just for their originals. So mm-hmm. they had Utopia. They yep. had which I absolutely adored. It was violent. It was based on about kind of plagues. It was fantastic cast. Oh, extremely right, the, original. the American version of of the Channel Four series, wasn't it? Yes. Utopia. Yeah. With, yeah. Uh, with Corey Michael Smith from yes. uh, Gotham in it. Yes. Exactly. Uh, I have um, not seen it, unfortunately. It, but but it, again, it's one of those. It's flew so quickly under the radar mm-hmm. again it went to, it came out at a bad time it's about a pandemic plague yeah. came out during a pandemic true yes that's not normally timing well. wise it's one yeah. of these ones that i think will come out in the background but yeah. anyway the reason i bring it up is just the these originals like the boys like uh john john claude van damme or van mm-hmm. damme the tv show all these little just really fun fantastic shows that I think are getting, they're getting better at the marketing now in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, so you have seen Invincible Fridays popping up in a lot of influencers or on yeah. social media. They're doing it the right way. Yeah. But I, I just, the, the shows that they're bringing around now, I'm just so happy about. Yeah. And, and the boys was a kind of breakthrough hit yes. almost uh, for them. Netflix certainly put out more content, but it feels like uh, Amazon put a lot more into each individual show they're putting out, like the uh, the excellent first season of Jack Ryan uh, they yeah. did. Oh, uh, and that, the was, that first season was amazing. And then they kind of <laughs> screwed the pooch, I think is the phrase, uh, for the second season. So hopefully they'll fix that for the third. They're, they'll fix it for season three. They, 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 they understood what they did wrong, I think, I hope on so. season two. I hope um, so. Learn what you did wrong, it. Jeff Bezos. Yes, Don't they, ruin a great show by by doing what you did in season two. Making making him an action star. Absolutely. As as for what uh, Jerry's asking about about the the kind of twist that uh, Robert Kirkman uh, puts in a show, I I don't know. Um, Daryl wasn't a twist for um for the TV show. They basically needed more characters. He isn't yeah. a comic book character. They needed more characters to draw in a bigger audience, and he stayed in there and become the most popular character in the show. I think there's so much going into Invincible in this season. There's so much story that's being squeezed into just those first five episodes. Um, I don't know whether I'm needing need a major change from the source material. Um, I think I'm really happy with, what, with kind of the twists and changes yeah. that, they're, that they're making to the source material right now. I don't think they need to change anything for the sake of changing it. Yeah. I think they do what they do, are doing now, which is essentially up-level. They are like yeah. 1.5ing the source material, which is just giving you deeper, more background. They're making some better scenes, some additional connective yeah. tissue, and it's just overall better. Yeah. I don't think they'll just, for the sake of a twist, change a twist. Absolutely. But I, I will say, I know uh, Jerry's also a Walking Dead fan like myself as well. One of the things that is a big pleasure of The Walking Dead, having read every single issue of the comic book and poring over them and knowing what's happening, one of the big pleasures of what Robert Kirkman did with the TV show was some characters get a different death. Some characters are alive in the show. Oh, and scenes okay. in that, uh, that in the comic book died in the first 10 issues. Um, very specifically, there is, uh, there's one character at least that is still on the show and, uh, will continue on for a lot longer, uh, who, uh, died very early on in the comic book. So, uh, so that kind of stuff is the changes, I suppose, that Jerry's talking about now that I've, now that I'm thinking about it, Jerry, you're probably right. Uh, th- will you get bored as a viewer of the show, Chris, if they continue translating 144 issues into the TV show without making any major changes to uh, characters' destinies, let's say, from the comics. That's Would a you fair, get bored well, of that? That's a, I don't know if I will. It's a fair. I think once we get to season two, if it goes where I think it's going to the, the end point of this season, yeah. I think that's interesting. I think where they take it to season two becomes, it, that becomes the bigger question. 
because it's that post point. But like we're at episode, we're, we're episode five is up to twenty issues so far. Right. Plus pulled in some additional further stuff and just yeah. moved it up a bit ahead. So yeah. like they're bla- they're blazing through. Yeah. Like the the overall content. But if but if they beheaded one of the major characters that is still alive in issue one four four, um at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you want to happen or do you want to go I know exactly I, where we are now and next episode. Oh no, I, I I'd love I would love that because that would completely put me on my toes. Yeah. Because then it's something I've never seen. But I'm also getting that with this episode where it's I've never seen Titan's backstory. Yeah. To this degree. And yeah. like they've just added this whole bit. So if they do that without the beheading, they they it's still you're gonna get to the same destination. But yeah. the journey goes a hundred miles different and wide from where they originally took you. They yeah. originally took you from A to B to C, and now we're going to we're going A to C, but we're like zigzagging a <laughs> hundred different ways. <laughs> so I, I, it'd be interesting. Yeah, because because you do create two different types of audiences with these with those types of shows, right? You create the Walking Dead audience who have no idea what's coming, but have an idea of the uh, general concept of the show, yeah. like in uh, like the comics are, go this way, show goes this way, but we know what type of show we're watching at least. And then you create the other audience, which is the Game of Thrones audience. And I know you remember this, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, our wonderful co-host John read every single book uh, of Game of Thrones. Uh, another friend of ours had also read every single book, and they talked in hushed tones in the corner, laughing about the about the things we were going to experience as the show goes on. Mm. And right now, I think a lot of Invincible fans are like that about the comics. You think you've seen something big? Wait till you see what's coming up in four or five episodes' time. Uh, if they do a Robert Kirkman change, as Jerry suggests, where there's a massive change, and that puts all the invincible comic fans uh, on edge and wondering what's going to happen with their show. <laughs> I wonder if that, that would be cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. You, r- He's in. Rather you than him, red, red wedding, we get a, 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 a blue funeral. Who there knows? You That'd be interesting. <laughs> there you go, Jerry. You got him. Yeah, there you go. Let's give our voices another rest and uh, welcome Steve Brand back for his episode five voicemail feedback. Thanks Steve for these. Hey guys, this is Steve, and uh, this is for That Actually Hurt, and uh, wow, That Actually Hurt. Like, interesting that we see uh, how badly beaten the whole team is, and Mark, and, and I don't know if Monster Girl's going to live through it. Um, wow. And then, of course, that twist at the end completely surprised me. I thought Titan was on the level. I didn't realize he was just uh, trying to get them to help him get his own his own power, you know, become the boss kind of thing. So uh, that was that was a cool little twist, and we still don't have any, any idea what's going on with this blood. Are they trying to find a way to kill Omni Man? And uh, you know now they have Mark's blood. So uh, it's, yeah, the the mystery of this show really intrigues me. I'm excited to uh, hear you guys talk about it. Maybe compare it to the comic a little bit and tell us uh, you know what the differences are, but. Uh, was that Omni Man? Was he the anonymous call that got the the Guardians, the new Guardians of the Globe there? And was it just a way to set them up to to be killed? Do you think? Um, because it looked like that was him floating outside. You know, he could have come in and stopped it, but he didn't. So, uh, all right, I can't wait to hear you guys' discussion of this one. I'll talk to you later. Yes, thank you so much for that feedback, Steve. Um, good point. We did actually breeze past that point in our, our overall discussion. 
the the Guardians turn up due to an anonymous call. There you go. He did kind of intervene. He just didn't yeah. step in himself. Okay. Now, now, did he do it not to save Mark's life, but to get rid of the new Guardians, like he got rid of the old Guardians? I, I love that idea. I love how, uh, how difficult it is to peg what Omniman's motivations are. Yeah. <laughs> he's effectively, either he's gone... Even saving my own individual son is beneath me because I save millions myself. Or he's gone, hang on a second. They're beating my son. They could definitely kick in <laughs> the Guardians. I'll send them over to be slaughtered. I love that. I, I, I have no idea what the answer is, uh, but I love that as a concept. I did not put two and two together there. That oh. was a brushed line for me. And it's yeah. only that you brought that up. I was like, oh, yeah, they, they did get this anonymous call. Like, in my head, it's, there's always Cecil. Like, Cecil is always watching. He is the Nick Fury. He has an eye everywhere. Um, see what I said? An eye everywhere. Just one. Just, like, just one eye everywhere. <laughs> see, this is the circle of podcasting. This is why we love podcasting. We talk about the episode. We hopefully uh, let you learn some things about the episode you may have missed. And your feedback gives us some stuff, some stuff that we may have missed yeah. uh, in the episode. So uh, thank you so much once again to everybody who's been sending their feedback to us. Uh, you can continue to email us at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com with your thoughts about any of the shows that we're covering, particularly Invincible. Uh, we're loving covering the show uh, as we go through the last three episodes uh, in the next couple of weeks. So uh, email us with your thoughts or pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tvpodcastindustries. I usually pop up a spoiler post in the middle of the night for me uh, for each of the episodes as they come out. Uh, for Invincible for your thoughts uh, about the episode so uh, love to hear from you yes don't forget to head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com to subscribe to our feeds we're on every good or evil Fultramite or Earthling podcast catcher you name the service we're there Derek may sure he does say he joked about being up in the middle of the night putting up a spoiler post that is because he is up editing we are doing three podcasts a week at the moment and we love doing it, but if you love what we're doing, make sure you support us over on patreon.com slash TV podcast industries, where you can keep the editor in chief, my beautiful podcast host, the, I was going to say the rigs to my Murtaugh, but we could, we could say the, the McLean to my officer Reggie. There you go. <laughs> I like it. I like uh, it. In think, coffee. Yeah, I think you're probably right with rigs and Murtaugh there. I'm definitely too old for this. <laughs> yes, but you can keep him in coffee with just one single dollar by supporting us on Patreon.com. Or mm-hmm. if you actually want to buy him a coffee, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash TVPI, where you mm-hmm. can actually buy him a coffee and keep him <laughs> caffeinated as he edits the hell out of these beautiful episodes. There you go. We'll get there this one down to under 20 minutes. No, we won't. Yeah. No, we won't. No, thank you so much for joining us. As I said, we will be covering uh, Falcon the Witch Soldier this weekend, episode four. Um, came out today, the 9th of April as well. Uh, we'll be podcasting about that with our wonderful podcast uh, co-host, John. Uh, he'll be joining us for that discussion and we'll have Invincible Episode 6 out next week as well. So thanks so much for joining us. Talk to you then. Talk to you then. Thanks again. So keep watching, keep listening, and keep being invincible. There you go. Bye. Bye. Bye.